Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> it's the day you love or you dread. Oh, man, is it Mother's Day already? Oh, man, what did I get, Mom? Now, uh, I came from a really big family. Uh, my dad had 12 brothers and sisters, so did my father-in-law, so uh, Mother's Day was a big thing. So when I got married, I thought, well, shoot, I like a big family. I like to have somebody to, you know, go hang out with, somebody to go borrow something from. <laughs> Somebody to have a fight with, you know. And so uh, we didn't have, McDonald's hadn't been invented yet when I grew up. Uh, we had a town of about 750 people. And so uh, um, I was born in a place called Ducktown, but I grew up in Turtletown. That's a suburb of Ducktown. And uh, we had one country store and had a gas pump. And so uh, if you want anything, you went to Nichols Grocery Store. They sold hay, dog feed, horse feed, and ice cream, pretty much everything you'd need. And so... Uh, and so when, when I got married, I, I wanted a big family. People said, what do you want? Well, I want a big family. I don't want to grow old by myself. I want somebody to take me to dinner on Sunday and send me on a cruise <laughs> and buy me a Winnebago. And uh, you're laughing. I'm very serious. I told our kids the whole life. Now, all of our kids, uh, I'm a newlywed, by the way. I just, I just celebrated my one-year anniversary. Uh, my wife, niece, went to heaven uh, about three years ago, a little over three and a half, and so I fell in love again uh, with a lady that I'd known a long time, and uh, and so so I'm a very happy man this morning. And uh, so anyhow, we were coming yesterday, and we got up uh, real early and caught a flight to come here, and got down to Charlotte. We're supposed to come up, so they kept canceling our flights. Said, so "We're going to cancel that flight, and we'll leave two hours." And we canceled that flight. So I realized about five o'clock, we can't afford to cancel another flight. We're a long way from where we're supposed to be, and. And uh, uh, my wife, Ain't said, Joe, we probably should have rented a car about three hours ago. Yes, ma'am, you're probably right. And I know the voice of God. It sounds like you. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so we did. So we left about 5.30. So we got here about 3.30 this morning. And uh, it was a, an exciting drive. It's just a beautiful drive. Uh, <laughs> uh, you come up Carolina, then you go through the Shenandoah Valley and come into Del Delaware. And it's just beautiful in the daytime and when it's not raining, but it wasn't beautiful last night. It rained the whole way. Like, and so uh, we had a great conversation all the way up here. We got to know each other really good. And, uh, and really we did. It was just some great intimate time talking a lot. And so, uh, uh, so Angel says hi, but she's asleep. <laughs> and, uh, but none of, our, none of our luggage made it. So nothing, you know, so. I've got what I wore to the airport yesterday, and I cleaned it up as best I could, and we pressed it off. So, so we're here by divine appointment. And I love, I love uh, all the special days because, you know, um, when you're a kid, you know, your mother is like God. Uh, she's the closest thing to God you'll ever see. Your dad will threaten you. You wait till I tell you a mother. And I don't know what that meant, but I learned eventually. So mom knew, she knew what you were thinking. She knew if you changed your underwear or not. She had x-ray eyes. She knew what you were thinking. I know what you're thinking. Of. And, uh, and so moms are so special. So uh, uh, when I got married, I thought, well, I want to have kids. So when I first got married, I, we talked, my wife and I said, well, let's wait five years 
do we have a better place to live and make more money? We have a decent car to drive. So January 1st, five years from my marriage, we had our first baby. And then a year and a half later, we had our second baby because I wanted five kids. And so we're driving home from the hospital, and Sarah's sitting next to me. She's a year and a half, and, and my wife's holding our second born. We're driving back to the house. I said, you remember that conversation we had a few years ago about having five kids? She said, yeah. I said, forget that. I said, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying, I got one, you got one. That's enough. That's it. And so, so when Jessica grew up and went off to kindergarten five years later, that's the first time we'd been alone in seven years. And so nine months, two days later, we had another baby. And I thought, what was I thinking? Don't ever do that again. And so, so Corey went off to kindergarten five years later. So we have a 10-year span where we only had one kid. And so she went off to kindergarten. So nine months, two weeks later, we had another baby. And, uh, <laughs> and 11 months after that, we had another baby. And so we're going to see, we had dropped two babies in a row, just boom, boom. And so we're going to see our doctor, my wife's not feeling good, and said, what's wrong? I said, well, two babies back to back, man, dear Lord, I don't know what we're thinking. And so we're going to see our doctor, and I have a great family doctor. He's a missionary in Russia today. He has a family doctor, so we've gone through the physical, and we're sitting there in the chair waiting him to come back, and we're patting each other. It's going to be fine. Whatever it is, it's going to be fine. God's going to work it out. So he comes in, throws the folder on the table, and says, well, guess what, kids? And I said, what? You're pregnant. And I thought, this, and I said out loud, I said, there's no way. Because, you know, we hadn't been very intimate. We, we, we you know, we got breast milk flowing like, you know, Niagara Falls. It's, it's like, like, dude, pumps are pumping all the time, and my wife's just trying to recover, and some baby's crying, needs something. And so I don't have access to nothing. I got two kids, got access to everything. And I'm not trying to be crude, I'm telling you the truth. Like, and so. He said, you're pregnant? I said, there's no way. And I'm looking at my wife. I said, well, well, yes, Joe, there is a way. <laughs> oh, maybe once. I mean, but man, how fertile are we? Dear Lord. And so I've only cried as an adult three times in my life, three times. And uh, this is one of them. And so <laughs> I broke down, and I am squalling. And I look at my husband. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And so uh, we were doing everything we could to not get pregnant. And uh, uh, you know, and I know birth control is a big issue, but you know, uh, my grandmother had her first baby when she was 15, got married. She turned 15, they got married, and for the year or so, she had her first baby. She dropped 12 of them in a row. So we came from big families. You just drop babies. And, and people would ask me all the time, they'd say, Are you Catholic? <laughs> I said, What? I said, No. Well, are you Mormon? <laughs> what? No, no. What are you? We're backslidden Baptists. And so what's with all the kids? Well, you had them to put them to work because we all grew up in the country. We had farms. And so uh, our family farm was uh, out in Turtletown, Tennessee, had a 400-acre farm. You had kids to put them to work. Uh, there ain't no movie theater. There's no McDonald's. There's nothing. We lived in the middle of nowhere. You ever go to Turtletown, Tennessee, you'll know where I'm from. It's beautiful, but it's in the middle of nowhere. What do you do for entertainment? I don't know. You sit on the porch and stare at stuff. I don't know. It's like... You know, <laughs> So, so I, I grew up liking a big family. So I remember we had five girls in a row. I thought, well, I need a, I'm going to have me a male child. So I thought my first kid would be a male. So Sarah came out like, oh, dear Lord, it's a girl. Praise God. <laughs> now, I'm not, just, I'm very honest. I know you people laugh, so I'm very honest. And she had a big purple spot right on her head. And she came out face first like she'd run into a concrete wall. It's like... <laughs> And people say, isn't that baby so pretty? I said, dear God, no, that, that's, a, that's a one ugly kid. Like, oh, Lord. 
but the spot went away, and she's one of my she's a beautiful she's a college professor she's a beautiful woman, and so the second one came along and like and thought another girl I thought son of a gun two girls, so that five year span went by so we have a third so man chance I've got to be a boy this time well it's another girl, I thought well help me Jesus come on what what, so then my fourth kid came along another girl now back then we didn't know what it was that popped out we didn't have all the scan whatever it's like. So after five girls, I figured, I'm, I'm going to the library. I'm trying to look up stuff. I said, well, <laughs> you know, it's based on the male. I thought, well, son of a gun. I got no male genes left. I, I'm never going to have another male child. The family line's going to end with me. And, uh, and so then she got pregnant again and said, oh, man, we're pregnant with six. And so we're just trying to get through the pregnancy because we've dropped three babies in two and a half years. Like, good night. So when John popped out, <laughs> he had a thing. Well, I danced all over the room, man. I'm just shouting, man, I got me a male child. I got me a male child. And so uh, when John was growing up, the girls took good care of him. And people said, was he a sissy? Dear Lord, no. They made sure. He was, he was all male. But he was, they trained him. And so all of a sudden you go in a room and you got all these kids. Say, all these yours? Three of them are. We saw these three on the side of the road. They looked hungry. We thought we'd just come and get them someday. <laughs> Yeah, they're all ours. And so, and they said, We had, oh, you have a boy. Yeah. And so people would bend over, and John, he was five, just started school. They'd been, What's your name? Well, John, he learned just to poker face you. And one of his sisters said, His name's John. <laughs> well, John, how old are you? And he just, He's five. And so he learned her that women will talk for you. Just keep your mouth shut, and they'll talk for you. <laughs> so John's wife loves him a lot right now. He's a, he is a well-loved man. But the women taught him. And so we're going through the process. So I'm, I'm, I've been an engineer for years. And I enjoyed my job about 12 years in the electrical industry. Well, I got born again spirit filled, go back to school, get on the church staff. And, and people said, so, well, uh, you're the education director. I said, what does that do? What, what do they do? We're in charge of the education of in church. What do we teach them? Well, whatever they need. Now, I'm not making this up. So what do they need? Well, they'll let you know. And so at the time, it was the early 80s. We were running 3,000 people. We had the first mega church in the state of Oklahoma. People just started showing up. Now, we had a great pastor who taught really good. We're running three Sunday morning services. We have uh, three buses at every service. And people would ask, you see me down, oh, you, you go to that big church? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Man, where did all those people come from? I don't know. They just show up. And I said, well, you have buses, don't you? Mm-hmm, got three buses every service. Well, where do you go get your people at? We don't go get them anywhere. And so I'm not making this up. This is true. If you come to our church, there's a big sign out front. If you're a child between the ages of 5 and 12, they're not allowed in the building. We don't have any place to put them. It was a big racquetball court. We converted into a, a sanctuary. And so we, we rented a shopping center a mile down the road that had just been built, and that's where we bust all the kids. That's where Sunday school was. So if you come to the building, if your child's from the age of 5 and 12, put them on the bus. And so <laughs> people say, where do, you, where do you get your kids from? We don't get them in. We're busting them away. We're <laughs> busting them away from the building. We don't know. They're just showing up. And so, so for several years that happened, and, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing. It was just God. It was supernatural. One day the wave hit the shore and they stopped showing up. So it went from a church of 3,000 to 2,500. A year later, we went down to 2,000. We went down to 1,500. A year later, we're down to 1,000. 
And we would sit and talk. Where's everybody going? We don't know. We don't know why they came to begin with. We don't know why they're leaving. We don't know. And all of a sudden, we had to become a real church that actually went out and got people, you know, like witness, you know, you know, feed some hungry people, you know, help some people that need stuff. We had to become real Christians. We weren't real Christians. We're, we're just having a good time. Hey, everybody's here. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and also one day, hey, we got to go get them. Whoa. And we had to learn how to be real Christians, and it was a great, great experience for us. And so eventually I went to work for a big church in Tulsa. had about 12,000 people, and we were known for reaching kids. That's what we were known for. And a big, big kids camp, and, man, we had stuff. And so uh, we, had, we built the largest. At that time, we were the largest uh, youth group in America. We built a $10 million building just for teenagers. Uh, we were on uh, Good Morning America twice, piece of we had, on Wednesday night, we would run 4,000 teenagers. And people said, where do you get them at? They just show up. <laughs> but what we did, we, we do half the, half the Wednesday night service would be a service, and only half the kids could go in. The other half, we had indoor basketball courts and racquetball centers and pool tables and games. Half of them could play, and then we had free hot dogs, free pizza, free hamburgers, free food and free games, then we'd have church for half a service. So who wouldn't go to that? I mean, kids just start, they're not our kids. These kids, I don't know, they come somewhere. They don't go to our church. We don't know them. But they're coming here. And so you realize people come to church for carnal reasons. Jesus did not appear to you. Go to this church this morning. You shall be blessed. That doesn't happen. People used to come to church because they're scared, afraid. They've got a bad report from the doctor. They're getting busted in marriage. My wife's leaving me. My kids are on drugs. I need help. Well, God's been here the whole time. God loves helping. It's what he does. So I remember somebody asked, can you teach something on family? I said, what? Yeah, you seem to know a lot about family. I said, no, no, we don't know a lot about family. We know how to have a big family. <laughs> we've memorized that book. <laughs> we've not read the book about what you do with them once they show up. We've not read that book yet. We're, we're trying to catch up. So we started teaching on family on the Sunday evening. And my pastor said, you got to start teaching on family, parenting. we got a problem. I said, okay. So first, first I realized that we didn't know anything. And I realized something. Nobody's, nobody read the book. And uh, I'm an old engineer. I'm a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a process engineer. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not an electrical. I'm a process engineer. People hired me to make sure if I go down here to a, a Walmart or anywhere or Southern, if I go down here and buy that product, it better do what that box says. I'm a quality control guy. I better make sure that we don't lie about what we're selling. What does this wire do? It does exactly what that box says. I'm the guy that makes sure we do that. But then a company would hire me. I have a second job. I have one year to make that product better. A year from now, that better be a better product, making us more money, doing a better service. So I had to improve the process. So my whole 12 years in the electrical industry, I'm trained to improve the process. So I became an education director. We got to do Well, we got a messed up family. We're messed up, man. Uh, all week long in our church of 3,000 people, our offices were packed with our own people with marriage problems, kid problems, money problems, sexual problems, you name it. And I thought, I don't know what the world's going through. Our church is messed up. And it's like, what, what's going on? Because they'd show up, they'd worship, got to do things, miracles would happen. They'd go on mission trips. But at home, we're going to hell in the handbasket. What is it? And so we started a parenting class, and I realized that first week I taught about 20 minutes. It's a 50-minute class. I taught about 20 minutes. Anybody have any questions? And the hands started going up. And I said, well, I got a question. What do you do about this? I said, I don't have a clue. My kids aren't that old. I said, anybody ever dealt with that? And this lady raised her hand and said, you ever dealt with that? Mm -hmm. What'd you do? She said, well, yeah, I did this, this. And I, I'm sitting out there, no, that won't work. Anybody else dealt with that? You know? and, and 
I realized eventually you'd find somebody that knew kind of what to do. And so half the time, uh, it was just pulling from the crowd. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Not everybody knows everything, but somebody knows. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're not a group of perfect people. We're a group of falling down people that know how to get back up. There are no perfect, there are no perfect mothers. And I, every Mother's Day, it's like, I look at it from the child going that way, but there's some I'm thinking, Oh, dear God, I sure could have done better. I sure wish I'd have done better if I only I could go back. You can't go back. There's no time machine. You can't go back. What you did, you did the best you could. And if you messed up, all you can do is repent and somebody can forgive and you go on. You don't get caught in your past. You can't do anything about your past. Well, you should have done better. Mm-hmm, probably should have. What else you got to say? <laughs> Just get to the point. And so I hate it when mothers feel bad because mothers are the... the they're the kingpin of the world. When God made everything, you know, when I was an engineer, I thought, I started teaching on family, so I said, well, let's find out about family. So I went to Genesis. I went through the whole Bible several times. So, well, let's start in Genesis. What happened to the first family? Well, it's just God and a man named Adam. It's really good. I mean, weather's perfect, food's free, clothes are cheap. It's a really good time. <laughs> and so God has six days of creation he's going through, and he does creation. It's the end of six days. He says, God's talking to himself. And you can read it in any translation. I read the New Living. I really like it. And so God's talking to himself. And he says, man, that's good. Yeah, I did good there. Man, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. And the first time God said, oh, not good. The first time God ever said not good in the Bible, he was looking at a man. He said, <laughs> not good. And so Adam said, well, what's not good? You, not good. <laughs> He said, what? He said, he said, you're alone. He had no concept of alone. It's just them, the birds, the bees, flowers, the trees. and just, He's laying and taking a nap. I'm going to fix that. So Adam lays down, takes a nap. He wakes up missing a rib. Said, Whoa. But in front of him is a centerfold of life. Whoa. And I'm sure God said, I thought you'd like that. And Adam, he went off to fellowship that day. <laughs> they didn't milk any cows or feed any camels. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? What's that? I don't know. What's that? They figured it out. <laughs> Most historians will say that by the time of the flood, there were 8 billion people on this planet. Billion. They, they figured it out. <laughs> it's really not complicated. <laughs> when I got in the ministry, I went to the local Christian bookstore. You got anything in a Christian book on sex? And this old relationship said, what? You got anything on sex written by Christians, you know, about what the Bible says about sex. I uh, got some guy named Dobson wrote something. Okay, I'll take it. If you go to any Christian bookstore anywhere in America today, hey, you got anything on sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, aisle two, aisle three, and aisle four. <laughs> How do we make anything so simple, so complicated? Only people could have made it that complicated. Adam and Eve didn't have a book. There's no library. There were no posters or pictures. They figured it out. <laughs> so, I was thinking about my family, and uh, my grandmother got married when she was 15, had her first baby when she was 15, and uh, had a boatload of them, dropped them like rainwater. And, uh, and so both my families, big family. And so I grew up in that, and I thought, I like a big family. So we wanted a big one, and so we got six. Six kids. Now, I tell people, six kids won't make you holy and famous. It'll make you insane and broke if you don't know what to do with them and they show up. Because that was about the third one came along. I thought, whoa, what were we thinking? When are they going to leave? <laughs> I mean, when can you just get them out of here? And, uh, and you realize children, the Bible says, 
Psalm 127, children are a gift from God. And I thought, oh, Father, Lord, what did I do so wrong? Why are you mad at me? <laughs> children are a gift from God. And what God does is, listen, all people come from me. That baby's from me. I'm going to give you that baby to train them up, and then you get them trained up, you give them back to me. So the whole little parenting is to train them up and get them out of the house. And so I love family. I love family time. We still have big family get-togethers. But the goal is for you to leave home. <laughs> now, people get mad. Uh, my wife gets this. is One story she does not like me to tell. But I told uh, all the kids got married. All my kids are born again, spirit-filled, went to college, got out, married. It's, it's good. But life's not perfect. I said, life's about overcoming stuff. We're on an alien planet. Satan's the god of this planet. He steals, kills, and destroys. Your job is to use your faith to resist the devil and build something. Not just hunker down and hide out. And so you're supposed to scare hell when you wake up in the morning. I said, what do you want with your kids? I want them to scare hell when they wake up. I want the devil to break out into a cold sweat. Oh, dear Lord, they're up. Yes, we are, big boy. Looking for you. <laughs> because as a believer, we're supposed to do things to help people. We're supposed to give water to the thirsty, food to the hungry. We're going to help orphans. We help widows. You know, visit people in prison. We're looking for hell. What do you do? We're in a hell-whipping mode. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We look for, I'm looking for some hell to whip. I'm in a hell-whipping mode. I've been equipped to whip hell. I've got the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, help himself. What are you looking for? I'm looking for some hell to whip. You go through life one time. You don't want to go to heaven and say, man, it was hard. It was just hard. My daddy left me. My mama didn't love me. My coach wouldn't blame me. My boss fired me. My dog bit me. My wife left me. Some people go through life one time. How bad it is. Like, sh shut your face up. <laughs> go find somebody to help. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? Uh-huh. Well, you need to learn how to serve other people. Right. Your job's to serve. Well, I thought, you know, that ought to start with kids. Because kids are born selfish. I, me, me, I, I, me, I, I, me, I. <laughs> the first word my kid learned was no. Can you say daddy? No. Can you say mommy? No. I can't but why? What is it? Well, because they'd heard it 15 million times. No, don't tell. No, put that down. No, don't tell. No, no. And they've heard no. How many times in their young lives? Like, what word do you know? No. Bless, they're born with a sin nature. What they're going to do is what you tell them not to do. Don't touch that. <laughs> don't put your finger there. They're going to do exactly. They have a sin nature. They're born doing the opposite of what you tell them. Paul said this, said, when the law came, sin revived and I died. What? Yeah, the guy that wrote two-thirds New Testament, prayed in tongues more than anybody. When the law came, he said, I didn't know I was a sinner until God gave the law. That's why God gave the commandments. You know, uh, nobody's ever kept the Ten Commandments. Nobody. That's why God gave them. He knows, you know, my people are lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Adam and Eve got married and then they sinned. When they sinned, they got fired from their job, evicted from the house, kids started killing each other. It went downhill from there. And you read it, it's in the Bible, it's a really good story. Except right in the middle, we have silent night, holy night, we through kings of Oinar. God had a plan to fix the mess. He knew it when Adam and Eve sinned. I'm sorry, I can just see God in heaven talking to his son. Well, look at him, son. Adam done shot his foot off. I knew he was going to go stupid on me. Gone stupid on me. <laughs> and so... I got to send you down there to fix it. You're the only one I got. But you can't go like you because a human lost it. A human's got to get it back. So I'm to send you down, shoving that mother's womb. Nine months later, she's going to shove you out. 
you're going to spend 30 years just figuring out who you are. Then you're going to meet this camel hair bug eating Baptist. He's going to dunk you under the water. You're going to come out. I'm going to stick my hand out of heaven. You're it. <laughs> then the Holy Ghost will lead you in the wilderness to scrap against the devil. The devil's been looking for you since the Garden of Eden. He couldn't find you. First Corinthians said it was a mystery. The devil thought Moses was God. That's why he demon possessed Pharaoh and killed baby boys two years of age and under all up down the Nile River. What's he doing? Is if they, hate the, they hate the Jewish kids? No, the devil's looking for God. He's heard he's been born. He's trying to kill him before he grows up. Some wise men follow a star across the desert. Finds this Herod. He says, what are you doing? We're looking for the king of kings. He's been born. We saw the star. So Herod says, well, if you find him, come tell me that I might come worship him. Well, they didn't find him. But then the angel warned him, no, he's a liar. He's, he's going to try to kill him. So the angel appears to Joseph. They take the baby. They go to Egypt, hide out. And so Herod comes into Bethlehem, kills every baby boy two years of age and under. What you looking for? The devil's looking for God. Kill him before he grows up. It's a revelation. It's not information. But all of a sudden, when Jesus came out of that water that day, the Bible says heaven opened up. God stuck his hand out of heaven and pulled it to him and said, here he is. Bring it on, big boy. And so the devil went out. And so he watches Jesus for 40 days. He notices him. He's not eating anything. Now, he's, you understand, Satan, Lucifer served Christ for eons of time past. Over the throne. He sat there over the throne. He served Christ. You got the you know, Holy Ghost and, and Michael. You got the three archangels. It's all a great thing of order, but this is some Jewish flesh. So he's looking at the angels. God said that's him, but the devil's a liar. Liars don't ever believe the truth. So he's looking at it and he said, so for 40 days he notices he's going, he did the three-day fast. No, he, he did, he's going past that. Seven-day fast. No, he's going to day eight. He's going for 40. On day 39, the devil approaches God. Are you the son of God? Because the liar doesn't believe the truth. God just said he was, but he doesn't believe him. Are you the son of God? If you're the son of God, why don't you turn some of these rocks into bread and we'll eat lunch and talk over old times. For the first time ever, a human spoke to God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now that hit the devil like a ball bat. It didn't hurt his feelings. The word of God spoken tangibly hurts hell. It hit him like a rock. So the devil grabs Jesus, takes him up to the top of the temple. Now, when you're not eating for 40 days, your equilibrium's not too good. You're kind of rocking and rolling. And the devil, for the first time in Scripture, the devil says, it's written, it's written. Throw yourself off. He knows it has power. It just hit him like a ball bat. So he's trying to hit Jesus. It's written, it's written. Throw yourself off. The angels, they'll catch you. They won't let you, let you stub your toe in a rock. Jesus up there on Timmy said, it is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So I used to tell kids, those are not horns on the devil's head. Those are knots Jesus put there in the wilderness. Boom! <laughs> I like the story. Anyhow, third time, takes them to high place, shows them all the stuff. Jesus hits a third, it is written, the devil leaves it for a season. So when you have kids, you have this precious little baby, and all my babies are so precious they were born. But I realized something. You were born on an alien planet. Satan is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. John 10, 10, he steals, kills, and destroys. That's why hospitals are full, prisons are full, there's war, there's famine. Where's God at? He's in heaven. Why did he let this happen? God didn't let anything happen. He's not in charge. He gave this planet to Adam. Adam gave it away. Satan's the legal God of this planet. It's a temporary lease, but he's the God of this planet. Our job is to resist the devil. What do you resist with what? The word of God. And people say, and I've had people challenge me because we've got so many kids. Well, you think it's right to bring children to the world like this? Yeah. That's what God's doing, man. I'm going to drop babies like I should have had 12. <laughs> we scare hell when we, get, when we wake up. 
well, you think you're perfect? No, I don't have perfect, but I've taught my kids so they know how to repent quick and forgive quick. You're not normal. You're going to fall on your face. First John 9 says, if a believer says they don't sin, they're a liar. Nobody had a perfect kid, mama. They don't exist. But you have good kids. How do you have good ones? You tell them the truth. You try not to yell when you tell them. That was stupid. That's your stupid heart. <laughs> And so, so your dad explained, and I said, listen, because I taught intercession prayer for 10 years in my church, and people get, they just stare at me sometimes. And, you know, I said, listen, you can yell at prayer all you want. God's not deaf. You can talk normal. You don't have to cry and rock back and forth and cluck like a chicken or bark like a dog. Please don't do that. Just talk to God normal. He hears you. He knows what you're going to say before you say it anyhow. But he needs your prayer. God cannot move unless you ask him. The Bible, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Ask that your show might be made full. So I'm, I'm dropping babies down here. So who do you want? I want a big family. I want, for carnal reasons, I've told my kids uh, for years, you can call any of my adult kids in Tulsa, don't buy me anything for Christmas that fits in a box. Now, I go to Walmart by myself. So I've told my kids for years, said, you want to buy me something? I want a 32-foot Winnebago. <laughs> I've got the pictures of it, and I'm not joking. I want to go on a cruise, Mediterranean cruise. Uh, next is going to be a Caribbean cruise. And so I've been on two cruises I didn't pay for. I've told my kids, you owe me. <laughs> Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, you owe me. <laughs> Who taught you how to wipe yourself and dress yourself and brush your own teeth? Who taught you how to get dressed? Who taught you how to pass the Who fixed your crooked teeth? I did. <laughs> and so I live way out in the country. I live at the end of a mile and seven-tenths of dirt road big two-story barn house. I just sold it last year. I don't have it anymore, but raised my kids there. And uh, I said, uh, two and a half acres, I don't own a lawnmower. There's no grass to mow. Uh, I took a whole month and rented a dozer and dug out the back thing to build a big old above ground pool in my backyard. So you walk on my back porch, you can jump in the water. Big old pool. Front yard, I have no front yard. I dozed it for a whole summer and it took all summer to pour the concrete. It's a big uh, basketball court with floodlights on it. Uh, we got uh, motorbikes and bicycles and baseballs hanging trees, have a gun range. I wanted my home to be the most fun place you'll ever go to. And so uh, I want home to be fun. And I don't care where you live, you got to start with where you're at. And we had no money. We'd make home a fun place. I used to do duct tape. I duct taped uh, off about a fourth of my living room floor. I said, kids, have at it. Play, put your toys there, eat pizza, drop stuff on the floor, stomp your crackers right into the stuff. I don't care. But don't you come off that place anywhere else. This is your, this is your, the rest is mine. And so, so I realized you had to train. And I noticed that most parents are losing control of the kids. And they would say dumb stuff like, well, you just never know how they're going to turn out. You just never know how they're I do. The Bible says how they're going to turn out. You know, everybody came with a book, by the way. There's only one volume. Volume two's not coming out. God's hanging with volume, God's hanging with volume one. That's deep. And whoa. Whatever you need as a parent's in this book, you just need to read it and start saying what God says about it. So, kids start coming. So, I thought, I got to start changing stuff. So, my oldest kid hit 12. I thought, we got to do something different because I wanted nice children. You be nice. You say yes or no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You be nice. And I realized I don't want nice children. I want children that scare hell when they wake up. I want you mean. I want you mean as snot. And so, we made new rules. So, I, I changed my whole house. So the, the bedrooms upstairs, three bedrooms, nothing electronic. You can, there's nothing in that bedroom. There's one bed, there's a dresser, and there's a closet. 
There's no radio, CD, cell phone, telephone. There's no TV. There's nothing. God designed the average human to sleep a third of their life. Out of 24 hours, you're supposed to sleep eight. Every medical doctor tells you, how do you live well? Sleep eight hours a night. Don't do that on your phone, the TV, watching three in the morning. Shut the stupid stuff off. And so I told my kids, you go to bed at night. My mama kids had cell phones. You leave your cell phone on the kitchen counter before you go upstairs. No cell phone in your bedroom. And why? Well, now we had learned the hard way. My son fell in love in high school. And so he had a cell phone. And so I got my cell phone bill that was horrendous. Well, that's not mine. Oh, yeah, that's your. No, it's not. And so it's my son's number. I thought, who are you talking to? I said, who are you talking to? Uh, nobody. <laughs> and so I learned, I sent off, it took a, it took a, a month to get it, for my cell phone bill in print. So it came in the mail. Now this is everything, uh, if you say or type something on a cell phone, it's permanent record. It lasts till Jesus comes. If you've ever said something stupid or type, text something stupid, it's permanent record. It's on a computer somewhere. You can take your cell phone and throw it in the ocean. They got a record of what you said and what you thought. So just let your yes be yes, your no be no, all else perceived from the evil one. You got something to settle with somebody, do it, Matthew 18, 19, one-on-one, face-to-face, not with some tech. Well, I'll tell you what I think. Please don't do that. So my son comes home after school. I've had his mom make some chocolate chip cookies. Hey, son, sit down. Have some cookies. Oh, these are good. Mm-hmm, yep. And so the, the FedEx is coming in the mail. It's a big, thick stack of papers. And sitting there on the kitchen table, and said, what is that? I said, well... This is the history of all your cell phone record, what you typed and said. He got kind of quiet. He just looked at me. What? Yeah. So now I read the first page. When it came and opened it up, I read the first page. And I didn't read the rest because I was ready to kill you then. (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny. I told him, I was ready to just kill you then. So I figured the rest is just as stupid because late at night, your brain leaks out. When you start talking late at night, you talk stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Now, what I need you to know is that if I can get a record of everything you texted and said, her daddy could get a record of the same thing. And he just like, yeah, everything you say and type is permanent until Jesus comes. Praise God. <laughs> so maybe we can start repenting now and clean this thing up. You got to deal with somebody. Deal with them one-on-one, face-to-face, not doing this stuff. So we had a record, so there's no electric thing in any of my house. Now, uh, I, I've got uh, a big barn house. I have a huge big screen TV uh, downstairs. Come on down, computers downstairs, no computer in your room. Don't do anything when you're by yourself. That's not good. So if you're going to get on a computer, you do it with somebody watching. And we got the guard stuff on it because you can go stupid if you want to. Uh, when I was a kid, if we found a Playboy magazine, we thought there was a God in heaven who loved us. But you can find porn anywhere today. I mean, it's everywhere. And so you got to, like, you know, you got to set a guard in your mind not to look on stuff. You just, I'm not looking at that. That won't do anything. That's another sermon. So, anyhow, so my kids, I began to say, listen, uh, I'd see them listen to music and have their headphones. I said, What are you listening to? What? What are you listening to? Here, let me listen to it. And, thought, and, and, I, and sometimes, I I'm not sure. What, what is this? Well, this is music. No, it's not. No, God did everything decent in order. You know, there's rhythm, harmony, melody. This is confusing. That's of the devil. And plus, print the words out to that, would you? Print the words out. What? What do you listen to? What are they saying? I can't just print it out for them. No, we, we don't listen to that because you're a product of what you feed on, what you listen to. And plus, you remember what you sing. Don't sing stupid. 
And so my oldest daughter's a senior in college. It's Christmas time break. Some of the kids couldn't afford to go home. We're bringing about five kids out of the house, going to have a hayride and keep them for several days and eat pizza, just have a good time, celebrate Christmas with them. And so we're in Blockbuster Video when they were still in business. So we're in Blockbuster Video and packed right before Christmas time. Okay, let's get some good movies. What are we getting? So what are we getting? It's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, that's funny. What else are we get? I said, well, we're getting the Titanic. I said, the what? The Titanic. I said, uh, does that boat still sink in that movie? And she said, yeah. I said, and that's, we have a VCR that screened out all sex and bad language. So, you know, we can kind of cross over sometimes. I said, uh, how long is that movie? She said, well, it's about three hours. I said, Sarah, I'd rather go home and shove a toothpick under my fingernail and sit there for three hours and spend $8 and watch that boat sink. And so my college educated, I said, well, that's a true story. Yeah, people burning in hell is true also. I won't be watching that either. I'll be in heaven eating dinner, saddling my horse, getting ready to come back with Jesus. I don't watch stupid. I don't listen to stupid. I don't sing stupid. Because if you do, you are stupid. <laughs> you are what you feel. And I put years in you to train you up to go out in the world and be a blessing to somebody, not cut your life short listening and feeding on stupid. So I said, okay. So long story short, we had rules for our house. And people asked, you kind of strict, aren't you? No, I love my kids. I tell my kids, I'm like Santa Claus stuck upside down in a chimney. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you have a lot of enemies in your life. I'm not one of them. But as a parent, I want you to live a long life. Now, Mom, this is for you. This is kind of a short deal right here, but you are the most powerful thing in your family. The only weapon the devil has against you is to make you feel guilty. I should have, I could have, I want to, and I did. You can't, you can't change anything. There are no perfect people. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times, say they get back up. There are no perfect people. They're just getting back up people. You got to learn how to get back up. You got to learn how to repent quick, forgive quick. I've had kids, we used to do that. Yeah, I was a doofus and I was stupid, but I repented and I don't do that anymore. Because you know how it is, your grandparents say, you know what your daddy used to do? Well, go ahead, just dump the whole thing out there. Yeah, I was a sinner. I was going to hell on purpose. I was, but I got saved and spirit filled. I'm in church and I still repent and forgive every day. If you're not repenting and forgiving every day, you get what we call spiritually constipated. Nothing's moving through you. And you can tell when you get in family reunions, whatever somebody's going through will come out of their mouth. Man, you can't believe what I'm going through. You can't believe what I did. And so everybody's got some sad song. Man, my daddy left my mama. My mama didn't love me. My teacher wouldn't pass me. My coach wouldn't play me. My dog bit me. My wife left me. And everybody's got some sad, thumb-sucking song. I said, guys, welcome to planet Earth. Satan's the god of this world. He steals because it's right. God, was not, God will not come down here unless somebody invites him. Jesus, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never did anything for anybody until he asked him, hey, what can I do for you? Remember old blind Bartimaeus? <laughs> he said, hey, what can I do for you? Peter tried to, Lord, I don't know if you noticed, he had to have any eyeballs. <laughs> Shut up, Peter, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the blind man. Hey, blind man, what can I do for you? Well, that I might receive my sign. He got a new set of eyeballs. They drug him into the Sanhedrin later on that day. He said, you believe this guy's a son of God? Man, he's got a new set of eyeballs. He's been blind his whole life. He can see. Do you believe this guy's a son of God? He said, no, I don't know. I just know once I was blind and now I see. He didn't turn into an evangelist. He just got his eyeballs back. God's a good God all the time. So I want my kids to know when you leave home, I want you to know that God's good. He loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And every day you're going to have to repent and forgive. Every day you're going to do something stupid. You need, well, that was stupid. I'm not doing that again. You need to repent or maybe you need to forgive. I forgive you. I didn't ask for it. I forgive you anyway. You're a knothead. I forgive you. God bless you. Go with God. I want you to have a very long, successful, fruitful life. So, Mom, today, this is your day. Some kids will call you. Some kids won't. Some kids are going to try to take you to dinner. Maybe it's Kentucky Fried. I don't know what they're going to try to do. 
But smile at them, Mom. Today is your day. Just smile. God bless you, sugar. God bless you, sugar. Now, I'll give you just the one little admonition. Don't, don't get your kids on the phone. Well, how's it going? What are you doing? Are you making any money? How's your marriage? How's your kids? Don't ask them any questions. Give them a good positive statement. Hey, God bless you. Just thinking about you. Tell you I love you. We prayed for you this morning. Don't grill them like they're under a floodlight at the local police station. <laughs> Their sin's going to find them out. They're going to feel guilty all by themselves. You be the salvation. Make them want to talk to you. Mom, you got a minute? Sure do. God bless you, sugar. What can I do for you? Well, I've been arrested, and my wife left me, and I got drunk, and they've got some drugs in the house, but outside that, it's going pretty good. <laughs> be, be the doorway for them back into a good life. And so you did good, Mama. You did real good. We love you. May God bless everything you set your hand to. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you today for this special day for every mother, grandmother, stepmother, foster mom, Lord, great grace on every one of them. Let them know, Father, they have been anointed by you to do what they've been called to do, Father. You open doors nobody can shut. You give them a shield of divine favor. Father, let them look forward to their future. Don't let them go back into their past. All we're going to do about our past is, Lord, forgive us, and then we're going to forgive others. We're going forward. Our greatest days as moms are in front of us, Father. Your greatest days are in front of you, ladies. Embrace it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.